Well, every, everybody needs a, a mentor, but I'll tell you, more than a mentor, they need a sponsor. So they need somebody that when when that men, when that person you're helping is not in the room, they need somebody that's in the room that can talk about their skills and their abilities and their commitment to the company and and uh, how they use their life to to make to make things better. And and so that's typically what I, I always aspired to be that sponsor uh, for those individuals that came behind me to help them, uh, not only just with the skills that they have, but to bring the best out of them. But, but ultimately, to be in that room when they were being talked about to say, yeah, that guy's ready for this next job. Welcome to Be A Baller, where we discuss how to build a lifelong legacy. I'm your host, Coach Tim Brown. Today, we'll be talking about building a lifelong legacy uh, with a Dow 5 Bank CEO, Jordan Miller. Today on the show, Jordan will share about his over 35 years in banking experience and his current role of being CEO of the first Black-owned bank in Columbus. Jordan, welcome to Be A Baller Podcast. Thank you, Coach. Appreciate being here. Thanks yeah, for having me. It's going to be a, a blessing. Before we get into all those all the stuff you're doing now, let's talk about your childhood. I know you grew up in Columbus, went to Central High School and all that kind of good stuff. <laughs> How was it growing up in Columbus, Ohio? Columbus is a great place to grow up. Yeah. I, uh, we grew up in Milo Grogan. Mm. So you mentioned Jimmy Clemens earlier. He was uh, he was our hero in our neighborhood. Yeah. Uh, he was the he was the baller. Yeah. And, and we were just wannabes. Uh, but yeah. uh you know, spent a lot of time at Boys and Girls Club. It was just Boys Club back in those days mm-hmm. on Cleveland Avenue. Went to Milo Grogan School. Uh, later went to Monroe Junior okay. High School and uh, ended up at Central. Central. Good, good. You know, I was, I was doing a little research and I found that your dad was a World War II veteran. That's right. Can you talk about the life lessons you learned from him? Oh, man. I would take up a whole show there. <laughs> just a, my dad was a humble man. Very mm-hmm. humble. Uh, he was a disabled uh, veteran of World War II, had his leg shot off at the end of that war, mm. uh, went back to his home state of West Virginia and went to college. And, you know, there's, you know, being wounded one leg, you mm. can't work in a coal mine, which is what everybody in West Virginia does. So he moved to Columbus, worked out at the depot, we called it, but DCSC. Mm. Uh, and uh, uh, later taught high school, taught uh Got a uh, mechanical arts and drawing and woodshop and all those kind of things. So that's the kind of stuff he was really involved in. He was a truly his his background his profession was a carpenter, mm. and he did all kind of projects. So growing up with him, I uh, every Saturday morning, early in the morning, we would go out and we'd be fixing somebody's wiring or mm. their porch or their roof or installing windows or doing something like that. So uh, cutting grass even, and I was usually just a guy that was all along for the ride doing all the do this, do that, <laughs> go here, go there, <laughs> honey, do this. So, but yeah, he was a great man. I, uh, I learned so much from him, uh, you know, especially about being humble and respectful to other people mm-hmm. and, uh, uh, just being a good neighbor. Yeah. Sound like you're quite the handyman. Huh? <laughs> got you doing all stuff around the house. I tried it all and yeah. I learned that wasn't my thing. But <laughs> <laughs> Did you pass some of those mosquitoes on to your son? Uh, not a whole lot, but uh, not those kind of skills. I think right. uh, humbleness, respect, yeah, yes, and yes, and yes. all those good life lessons that we learned from him and, and, and the churches and all that stuff, that's the stuff we kind of more that's influential and pass those kind of traits along. You know, you being a finance guy, did you always have interest in money? Well, my mom was a saver. Right. Right? She, could, she could turn two pennies into a nickel. And, right. uh, but she always taught us how to save, and, uh, you know, we got – a small weekly allowance, and it had to last a whole week. So <laughs> week. don't come back here on on Thursday telling me you can't make it to Friday. Right, you know right. you need you need another nickel for your lunch money. Yeah, right. I gave you fifty cents at the beginning of the week, right, and right. 
So I, I learned a lot from her about budgeting and planning and uh, uh, taking taking care of the books and making sure I pay my bills on time and mm-hmm. that kind of thing. But more really is about saving for mm-hmm. her. Yeah, we remember the good old penny candy days. You know? <laughs> penny candy, yes, that's right, yeah. Hey there, Clark Kellogg here. Building a legacy usually involves meeting the unique needs of others and being part of something bigger than yourself. That's why I love First Merchants Bank. First Merchants believes that helping communities prosper means more than just providing banking services. It means offering accessible financial education, expanded access to home ownership, and partnerships with local nonprofits to help raise up neighborhoods and lift families out of financial hardship. For resources and tools available to you, visit www.firstmerchants.com. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. You know, after high school, uh, you had a brief time at Ohio State, and then you were in the Air Force uh, for six years. Can you talk about how that helped you become the man and leader you are today? Yeah. Well, my, my experience at, at, at Ohio State first shaped me, and, uh, but the, uh, had a, I had an internship mm. that they sent me on from Ohio State. I was a business major, accounting major at the mm. time, and I get over to the accounting firm and and they didn't like my hair, do I had a big afro back in the day, but that was maybe before <laughs> the time. I didn't realize that. But now, uh, nowadays, who cares? <laughs> yeah. So I was a little frustrated with that, that uh, that I had the world's shortest internship, I call it, in the Air Force. And I forgave myself when I was in the Air Force because that's when I really learned. I got the chance to go overseas and travel, meet different people, all walks of life, and... And, uh, you know, really discovered who I was, mm-hmm. you know, and, and uh, I was a good person and I was serious and I was a good accountant and I mm-hmm. was a good math guy. So mm-hmm. uh, the fact that that didn't work out for me, I finally forgave myself for letting that go. And I decided mm-hmm. that I needed to continue my college, which I did. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you've been in banking for all 30, 35 years now. When did you know that that was your career? Yeah, well, after uh, after the military, uh, I had completed my college by then, and I decided that uh, I had a friend of mine that was in banking, mm-hmm. and he mentioned to me about being a bank examiner and what it was, and it was similar to me. Before that, I wanted to be an accountant. Mm-hmm. So I thought, okay, I, I changed majors to finance, and uh, working with the control of the currency as a bank examiner was very similar to an accountant. You go from bank to bank to bank, you kind of... Uh, learn what they do, uh, evaluate their efforts in different in different areas about management and capital and, and their assets, which are pretty much their loans and investments. And it was just really exciting to learn banking at that high of a level, at that early of a stage in my life. And, uh, uh, you know, just got into it. I, mm-hmm. I, I, love, I love the mission. I love what banks do, uh, helping their communities. And so uh, I thought this is for me. Mm-hmm. You know, as a banker, uh, you've been described as a trailblazer, a role model, and a financial freedom fighter. That's the word on, on Mr. Miller. <laughs> okay. Uh, I don't know who did who gave me that <laughs> definition. But <laughs> what does that description mean to you, you know, being a trailblazer, <clears throat> role model, and a freedom? You know, I never thought of myself as a trailblazer. There's always somebody that comes before you, and hopefully there's always somebody coming behind you that aspires to be do the things that you did. So what I wanted to do in banking, after after Initially, getting into banking, being a bank examiner and and learning a lot of the back office functions, accounting functions, all that kind of stuff, I realized I, I want to be a real banker. Mm-hmm. I want to go out and develop business. I want to help business owners. I want to help families that want to send their kids to college. Mm-hmm. I want to help families, you know, um, realize their goals of retirement and, mm-hmm. and financial planning and all those kind of things and businesses, hire more people and get more contracts. 
And so that's that's when I realized that's when mm-hmm. it touched me, when I knew that I was helping people, uh, black and brown people, mainstream people. It didn't really matter. I was helping businesses and I was learning so much as I'm helping people. And that's that was what caught me about banking. Mm-hmm. That's why I loved it. That's why uh, uh, that's why I'm doing what I do today. Mm-hmm. You know, once you got involved in uh, in the bank as a young banker, who were some of those persons who mentored you? Yeah, well, the, the primary guy that I met was uh, was a general counselor at Huntington Bank. His name was Ralph Frazier. And Ralph, uh, Ralph, we call it Ralph the Dean of African-American Bankers in the state of Ohio because he probably was the highest ranking African-American in banking <coughs> at that level. And, and there weren't a ton of us mm-hmm. in, in those days. There wasn't a lot of blacks in banking. It's a pretty conservative industry. Uh, but But I learned a lot just listening to Ralph and being in meetings and I would go to his office and he had a big telescope in his office on the 34th floor up at, at the Huntington Center downtown. Yeah. And we'd look out that we'd talk about the issues in the community, talk mm-hmm. about the school systems, talk about the people. We talk about the churches. We talk about who had who was getting it right, who was getting it wrong. And, mm-hmm. and uh, just learned a lot from uh, lessons from him about how to carry yourself, how to conduct yourself, how to how to how to be uh, significant in whatever it is that you were doing. And I, I think that word significant was was Ralph always pushed that at me was, you know, okay, go do something, do it, do it the best you can, but whatever it is you're doing, be significant. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that took that lesson from him. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, going back to your colleagues, now, I've been talking to your colleagues. You know, okay. you know, he talked about you being a champion for the next generation in banking. Uh, why is it so important for you, the way Ralph mentored you, to mentor the up and coming uh, people of color just in, in the banking business? Well, every, everybody needs a, a mentor, but I'll tell you, more than a mentor, they need a sponsor. Mm-hmm. So they need somebody that when, when, that men, when that person you're helping is not in the room, they need somebody that's in the room that can talk about their mm-hmm. skills and their abilities and their commitment to the company and, mm-hmm. and uh, how they use their life to, to, make, to make things better. And, and so that's typically what I, I always aspired to be, that sponsor mm-hmm. uh, for those individuals that came behind me to help them. Uh, not only just with the skills that they have, but to bring the best out of them. But but ultimately, to be in that room when they were being talked about to say, yeah, that guy's ready for this next job. Wow, that's powerful. I never heard it said that. Well, you know, we always talk about mentors. <laughs> yeah, I mentor, sure. But I love that sponsor analogy. Mm-hmm. You know, once that person's out the room, you got to have somebody at the table fighting for you or vouching for you or whatnot. And trust me, it's always a fight. It's always a fight because everybody doesn't see the person that you know. Mm-hmm. And you, they don't necessarily always see that commitment. They're more likely to see a mistake that that person's made or, or something that they didn't like about them versus all the good that they've done. And, and my job is always to be the point of, yeah, everybody's got challenges and everybody's got issues, but let's talk about the good things this person does. Let's talk about you know, their, their faith, their belief, their, you know, the, the goals that they have and their discipline and what they do with their families and, and how they move forward a community versus, oh, they made a mistake and they got a C-plus in math instead of an A. So. The team at the Financial Solutions Network is proud to partner with Tim Brown and bring you this episode of Be a Baller. Our mission is to share generously of our time, talent, and financial resources to help our clients develop financial plans and wealth management strategies that allow them to live the lives they imagine while connecting them with experiences and people that enhance their quality of life. FCA is one of those organizations by helping young men and women through the development of their personal faith. 
The Financial Solutions Network is an independently owned and managed wealth advisory firm based in Worthington, Ohio. We are a multi-generational professional team of advisors with a combined 83 years of experience teaching and managing financial strategies for individuals, families, businesses, and institutions. We would be honored to help you plan your financial journey. Contact us at 614-505-3025 or visit our website at tfsn.net. You know, you mentioned a couple of times about your faith. Can you talk about why your faith is so important to you and how that has helped you uh, during, during difficult situations? I'm sure there were some challenging times. You know, back <laughs> I'm sure of that. Yeah, it's definitely challenging times. Well, I was uh, involved in church from ever since the time I can remember. My mom, and as, soon as, as soon as we could walk, yeah. we walked across the bridge. We went to Trinity Baptist Trinity Church, Baptist, and yeah. uh, my old Pastor Perrin, boy, he, he was a— he was a disciplinarian, but he mm-hmm. was tough. He was smart. He was bright. And uh, we went to vacation Bible school every summer. And I just spent the whole my whole life yeah. uh, just growing up in church and uh, and learning the values of, of church. Uh, you know, not just not just the word and, and the book, but taking those lessons that we learned from those, those biblical folks and applying it to ourselves. So uh, it just always stuck with me. Yeah. You know, that's the key, making it become real. Yeah. You know, it's not just words on a page, you know, where Jesus said this, God said that. Then it becomes real in your life and you begin to work it out. Yeah. You know, and, and, and I tell you out. what, I tell you what, you know, the, as, as children, we don't always, it's not what we read, it's what we see people doing. Mm, so when we, we're in church and we see good church people and then we see them out of church and they're not acting like good church people, mm-hmm. then that kind of can right. sour yeah. kids um, because, uh, you know, because <clears throat> we are, as 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 people of example, we have to watch what we do because mm-hmm. somebody's watching, right. and that's what I always I always have my eye on the next guy above me, whoever mm-hmm. that was, and see how they carried themselves. And those faith based folks were consistent mm-hmm. in their application of what they what they did every day and how they treated people. Yeah, that's good. As you say that, I always share with young people working with young boys a lot. I say a lot of guys. They don't have a mentor. Somebody sit down and talk to them, but they watch. Yeah. They watch and they catch what they see. Mm-hmm. They learn more from what they see and what really sitting down talking to them. It's and watching. That's right. They're watching how important they are. They learn more by watching than by actually yeah. reading sometimes. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's good. You know, this uh, Be a Baller podcast, it's about building a lifelong legacy. Uh, what does that word legacy mean to you? Yeah. So I, I think of legacy, I think of that. You know, that dash, you know, mm-hmm. that dash on your tombstone, that part of that dash that, that you made, what I say, a significant difference. What did you do? What did you do? Did you leave the place better than you found it? And that's, that's to me is the definition of legacy. Mm-hmm. And that dash is full of your accomplishments mm-hmm. and your legacy. Whether they're good or bad, everybody mm-hmm. leaves one. Right. And so, but my goal in, in, in that legacy was always to leave a good example, you know, be positive, you know, mm. help, be helpful, bring something uh, to a, to a situation that improves the situation, not makes it worse. It's mm. good. It's good. You know, we, we can't leave this without talking about your legacy project. That's the, uh, Adolfo Bank as the first black owned bank in Columbus and Ohio. Uh, you're retired, you know, getting ready to work on your golf game. <laughs> and the word is you get a call from a good friend, Franklin County Commissioner Kevin Boyce. Talk about that call. And the reason for you deciding to be involved in this project. 
Yeah, yeah. Kevin is a good friend. Uh, Kevin and I, we worked together when Kevin was a state treasurer and before that, city council. Uh, I was a banker and we did a lot of services for the state. And uh, Kevin called one day after uh, he'd been involved in a situation uh, in a march downtown, the Black Lives Matter. And George Floyd had was the subject of that walk in that protest. And they got a little too close. And he and a couple of his folks, uh, Joyce Beatty and and our city council president, Shannon Harding, they got maced. Mm. And uh, from that, this idea was born. So mm. Kevin called me one day and says, hey, uh, I'm thinking about starting a bank. Uh, would you uh, consider uh, at least reviewing the deck and reviewing the progress and being some guidance? And so I did some research and I saw where black folks were on the financial totem pole. And once I looked at those numbers, it was like, yeah, I mean, I mean mm. what can I do to help? Mm -hmm. And what did you do to help? <laughs> well, <laughs> we, you we, jumped in. We, we started. Uh, it took about two years. We raised the money. We uh, put together the business plan. We, uh, you know, we used consultants to help us. We used a lot of legal mm -hmm. folks to help us. I knew a lot of the regu regulators already because right. I'd been involved in banking and mm -hmm. I'd been on the state banking commission for a long time before I retired from Fifth Third. And um, called them up. What we got to do? Kind of. There is no actual blueprint. Okay. But there are there are processes gotcha. and there's a lot of communication. There's a lot of things you have to do. You have to find people. You have to find an executive team. I had to, we had to get a board, mm -hmm. and we had to <clears throat> decide where we wanted to be. We had to get the space built out. So there were a lot of a lot of things during that project. And so just keep your head down and and just do the work mm -hmm. and by, by, find your way through it. And then finally one day. They get the letter from the regulator say you've been approved. <laughs> so the dog caught the car. Now what you're gonna do? That now was what you're gonna do. You know. Now you talk about significance. What was the significance of the bank being on Long Street in yeah. Lincoln Browns? What's the significance of that location? Well, um, tell you tooth coach, we did not necessarily plan to be in any single location. Okay. Uh, we knew that we wanted to be in a historically black community, so we we're looking at Old Town East area. Mm -hmm. We're looking at King Lincoln area. We're looking at Linden area, and we found this project. And I, I get a call from somebody say, "Hey, there's some, there's some space that's going to be available at this new apartment complex. Mm -hmm. There's some ground floor space, and you might want to check it out." So uh, when we got there, I s discovered the history that there was a black-owned bank from 1921. That bank was formed. Later, I got the names of the individuals and mm. found that they were my fraternity brothers. Wow. Anyway, we uh, we decided to adopt the name Adelphi, which they were called Adelphi Building Savings and Loan Company. And Adelphi is a Greek word for brothers. Right. And so we we just adopted that name and decided that, that was the place we wanted to be. We got the space built out, and now we call it home. Mm -hmm. Great, great. You know, as we come around the corner, we we cannot I cannot let you leave without giving young people. And adults are worried on how to protect their finances, on how important that is. From your 35 years of experience. <laughs> yeah, it's one of the most important things you can do. I mean, your finances are, that, that is your story. That is who you are. Um, you can't do anything today without credit. You can't do anything today if you don't, if you don't, if you don't carry a card in your wallet. I mean, yeah. you can't carry cash. I mean, yeah. nope. Half the places don't take, don't take cash anymore. anymore. <laughs> but the, um, <clears throat> The, the number one thing is, uh, to me, it's it's you have to stay within your means, whatever mm -hmm. that is, whatever, no matter how big the number is that you take home. If you spend more than that, you're going to be broke. Mm -hmm. And I see a lot of kids that get out of school, they get 
great jobs. I wish I could get paid out of out of college what some of these kids get paid. Right, right. And when we graduated from college, all we wanted to do was make our age, which right. was twenty thousand yeah, dollars a year. Exactly, we're twenty one exactly. years old. We want to make twenty thousand, twenty one thousand dollars. That was that's a great number. <laughs> that number right now, it'd just be you just be broke, all right? <laughs> and you cannot support a family on twenty right. grand a year right, for yeah. sure. But the number one thing is you cannot spend more than you make. Mm-hmm. And you have to understand what you make. And the second thing is, what do I spend my money on? And uh, obviously, family, mm-hmm. um, uh, helping friends, uh, saving. And saving is such a big component. And the amount of time that you have to save, the better off. So if you're 21 and you start putting away Rather than going to Starbucks at least once a day, just take that five bucks and put it away. <laughs> five bucks a day. I mean, by the time you're 40, 45, right. you've got a, you've got a little nest egg. Oh, yeah. But because it's the amount of time mm-hmm. that you have versus the timing of the market. Mm-hmm. So everybody's trying to predict when, when is the market going to go up? Is the market mm-hmm. going to go down? Well, nobody knows. If, yeah. if we all knew that, we'd all be rich. Right. But it's the amount of time you have to mm-hmm. consistently invest in dollar cost average into the market is the most important thing you can do. Mm-hmm. Well, I appreciate you breaking that down in layman terms. You know, I can understand that up time. <laughs> you know, uh, Jordan, as we, as we wrap up, I want to thank you for answering that call. Absolutely. Answering that call from Kevin Boyce, you know, and, and look at what God is doing and continue to do and the benefit it is to our people. Yeah, thank you, know, you. Just having that presence there, you know, we can walk in and, and, and the pride. Yes. The pride. I, I think about your dad and our and your mom, ancestors, you know, people who lived in that area. And, yeah. You know, how proud, proud they are now. You know what's going on there because of you answering that call and well, being committed. I, I appreciate being called, and I'm I'm glad I picked up the phone. I'm glad I decided to do it. It's probably more work than what I want to do mm-hmm. at the time frame that I'm in, but it's better than missing a bunch of putts on the golf course, <laughs> <laughs> or maybe not. <laughs> that brings us into this episode. Thanks to our special guest Jordan Miller for sharing his many years of ex- of service to helping people become financial financially independent and his vision for the success of the Black Owned Bank in Columbus. Uh, as always, uh, thank you for joining us during this enlightening form of discussion on building a legacy in business. Hope this episode was beneficial to you. As always, be a baller. Thanks, Jordan. Appreciate you. Thank Appreciate you. you. If you enjoyed this episode, please share this podcast with family and friends. Be A Baller Podcast is available on all major podcast stations. Be sure to come back next week as we continue to discuss on how to build a lifelong legacy. Until then, don't forget to be a baller. This podcast was created by Coach Tim Brown. It was edited by Tehran Howe and produced and recorded by the video production class of Worthington Christian High School.